You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Thursday, March 2nd, and we are talking Pirates baseball today with Adam Barry. As always, Adam, we thank you for the time. And, uh, Adam, the Pirates uh, today as we speak here, coming off an 11-1 victory over the Tigers. And, of course, you know, it's spring training. You don't pay too much attention to, to scores or results or even, for that matter, box scores, you know, to uh, – you know, to a great extent, but at the mm-hmm. same time, uh, I know that uh, Clint Hurdle, as you told me, uh, had a great remark the other day. He said that uh, OPS is in the air, which I love because uh, the ball has really been flying out of the ballpark off the bats of Pirates hitters and uh, three more home runs today, including a grand slam. So, it, you know, again, it's you, you take everything this time of year with a grain of salt, but some encouraging signs that the Pirates are really flexing some some muscle here the past few days. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting that they hit so many home runs, uh, particularly on a day where I had just written a feature about Clint Hurdle, like you said, saying, you know, your OPS is in the air. That's a, a sentiment that has really been reflected in the analytical community recently. Um, it's really easily reflected in the stat cast numbers, uh, you know, with metrics like barrels that basically show, uh, you know, the, the more often you put the ball in the air, the more often you're hitting line drives and fly balls, you know, the better you're going to perform uh, ground balls or uh, only slightly better than pop flies in terms of the uh, likelihood of, uh, you know, extra bases or even batting average. So you want to put the ball in the air. You want to hit the ball on a line. Uh, you know, and the Pirates certainly did that in, in their latest win against the Tigers. It's kind of interesting that the guy who hit the Grand Slam, Jordy Mercer, is someone who said that he's not necessarily going to change his approach uh, based on those numbers. You know, he's going to kind of stick with the, you know, being the guy that he's always been. But uh, I still found it really interesting that that was something that Clint Hurdle said the Pirates were looking into, something they were discussing. You know, the idea uh, it was kind of popularized, I think, by the Cubs last year, and it's it's funny to me. And I, I talked with one of the players about this idea of the Cubs saying last year was there's no slug on the ground. You know, the idea that you know you're not going to get a high slugging percentage if you're hitting a bunch of ground balls. But of course, Clint Hurdle, being the eternal optimist that he is, would put it in kind of a positive light and saying, you know, your OPS is in the air. You know, it's kind of a positive way of looking at it that, you know, if you hit the ball in the air, good things will come. And uh, I think the Pirates really, you know, kind of exemplified that in, the, in their latest game. So it's, you know, it's hard to say, like you said, based on spring training results, whether that carries over into the regular season. But, you know, they're off to a pretty good start with that in spring training. And certainly that game was a good example of it. Yeah, some encouraging signs uh, for sure. And, Adam, this might sound a bit absurd, but I know that, you know, when you talk to pitchers in spring training, you know, they go out there and maybe their mentality for one particular start is, I'm going to work on my changeup. I'm going to work on my curveball, and that's all I'm going to throw. Can, can Does that translate at all to, to hitting where a guy might go to the plate and say, you know what, with, with – we're trying to put more emphasis on getting the ball in the air. As you said, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to swing this way or have more of an uppercut to my swing and kind of experiment with that. Or is the goal simply no matter what, just to hit the thing hard? You know, do, do they kind of break that down a little bit more as a hitter? What have, what have you seen? Yeah, it may not be, be as much about, you know, I'm going to change my swing, but it may be something the Pirates kind of preach uh, in general in the regular season, but maybe to an extreme in, in spring training, which is, you're looking for one pitch in one zone. And, you know, maybe that's just what, uh, you know, so happened to transpire here in, in Lakeland today is that they were looking for a certain pitch in a certain zone and they, you know, they put good swings on the ball. But that is something they preach in general is, you know, you look for one pitch in one spot and, you know, you try to do damage on it. Um, that's something you can experiment with in spring training. You're also kind of benefiting from a certain extent to, you know, something that you mentioned there is that uh, pitchers this time of year, you know, maybe they're just looking to, 
work on fastballs inside and outside so that, you know, the hitters essentially know what's coming. That's something where uh, Tony Watson, to use one example, has kind of uh, struggled in spring training based on that. He's looking for fastball command. So, you know, hitters essentially know that fastballs are coming. So, yeah, I mean, that's it, it, it is kind of a tough time of year to, to judge based on results. But, you know, sure, that that could be a, an example of what the Pirates might be looking for as hitters this time of year. Yeah, I, I think a lot of fans have to keep in mind that this time of year, it's simply about, you know, experimenting and trying new things and, and going up there with a with a game plan. Not to say you don't have a game plan during the regular season, but it gets more specified in spring training where, you know, right. you want to work on hitting a breaking ball or hitting a pitch in this zone. So you can kind of break it down that way, which is another reason why it's, you know, it's great to have spring training final scores and results and box scores, but everything, good or bad, has to be taken with a grain of salt. I think we can all kind of agree on that. Adam, mm-hmm. on the on the pitching end of things, I want to get your thoughts on a very interesting story you had on Pirates.com regarding uh, some of the guys in that Bucks rotation. It seems like uh, the names you mentioned, uh, Chad Cool, Jamison Tyone, and Tyler Glasdow in particular, all kind of experimenting right now with what you termed modified change-ups. So kind of explain exactly uh, how they're tinkering with that pitch and uh, the results that they've, they've seen from this experiment so far. Yeah, all three have pretty uh, you know, significantly modified their change-up grips. Basically, the idea is they've gone from sort of four-seam grips to two-seam grips. It's, it might seem like really a minor thing to anybody who follows the game casually, but you know, for them, it essentially changes uh, you know, their comfort in throwing the pitch. I think it's most significant for Glasnow and Cool. Uh, cool. We'll start with him. You know, he's a he's a ground ball guy. He throws a sinker. He throws a, a slider. And you know, his changeup wasn't a terribly effective pitch last year, but he was still a league average, you know, major league starter. So the idea that you give him a third pitch that could, you know, get some swing and miss as he did in his first spring start, you know, that adds some kind of that that, that adds some interest. It adds another angle. It adds another wrinkle uh, to Cool as a starter. It gives a third pitch that might keep hitters a little bit off balance. Uh, he, he had a really interesting way of describing it that, you know, last year he was kind of a coin flip. It was either going to be fastball or slider. So, you know, if, if you want a hitter to guess, essentially he had a 50% chance of being right uh, going to the plate against Chad Cool. Uh, Glass now is maybe a more interesting case. You know, the changeup is maybe not the biggest change that he's made. He's made some modifications to his windup. You know, he's got a little bit of a rock step that's going to seem uh, maybe a little bit dramatic to fans the first time they see it working on a slide step that he learned from Tony Watson that's going to hopefully uh, increase his time to the plate and hopefully improve his command as well. Uh, but he's also, you know, switched up his changeup grip. And the changeup last year was a pitch that just kind of played like a slow fastball for him. But he's hoping that uh, switching to this kind of two-seam grip, the uh, the old Scott Mitchell special, a pitching coordinator for the Pirates, is going to benefit him. And it's going to make it a little bit more of a real, you know, major league qualified pitch. It's something that he tried to, you know, kind of work in last year something the Pirates tried to emphasize with him last season, you know, before he got to the majors. And Neil Huntington has said multiple times that he was doing uh, AAA hitters a favor when he would throw his changeup. But the idea is if he can get that pitch to work and if he can get it, you know, where he can command it in the strike zone, where he can throw it for strikes, where he can get it for swing and miss, then he's going to be a really tough pitcher to hit because the fastball is real. We saw it up to 98 already in spring training. The curveball is a swing and miss pitch. And, if you can add a legit major league changeup to that pitch mix, you know, this is a guy who has every right to earn the fifth spot in this rotation. So Tyler Glasnow is a very fascinating guy to watch this spring just based solely on that. Yeah, the raw stuff is there. We've seen that. Uh, there's no doubting that. And we'll see if he can add that third pitch to his mix. 
uh, what kind of heights he could reach. And I think, you know, kind of the saying goes, if you have, you know, two plus pitches, as they say, that can make you a great reliever, if it's three plus pitches, it can make you a great starter. So to develop that changeup or any other breaking pitch, you know, secondary pitch to add to that repertoire could really be the difference between, you know, being a great starter or being a great reliever. And hopefully uh, big things ahead for uh, Chad Cool, Jamison Tyone, and Tyler Glasdow and company. And at the the head of that rotation, no question, is, of course, uh, Garrett Cole. And to the surprise of no one, he was named uh, the opening day starter. And obviously, you know, Cole struggles last year. No secrets. Uh, he was inconsistent, had some uh, health issues as well. But I got to think that, you know, between having so much youth in that rotation and the fact that, you know, the only other veteran presence uh, other than Cole is Yvonne Nova, and he has not been a, a tenured pirate nearly as long as Garrett Cole, that for those reasons I got to think that Cole was really a no-brain choice uh, to start opening day. you agree with that? Yeah, it's not something that really surprised any of us. I think the surprising part was that they announced it so early in spring training. You think last year they waited, I remember the date, March 11th, uh, last spring to name Francisco Liriano the opening day starter. And a lot of that actually was based on the fact that Garrett Cole wouldn't be healthy enough to start on opening day, that he was going to be a little bit uh, held back by that rib inflammation that he dealt with in spring training. And that wound up being something that kind of, you know, it kept him off schedule in the spring. And then it sort of affected him, you know, as the whole season went on and it turned into him overcompensating in different ways. It turned into a triceps injury. It turned into an elbow issue. Um, you know, it just really threw him off from the start. But maybe the best news for the Pirates this spring has been that Garrett Cole is on track. Uh, he's scheduled to make his Grapefruit League debut uh, tomorrow as we're recording this on Friday. Uh, so that should be an interesting chance to get to watch him against Major League competition. It's not a huge surprise. You look at him in 2015, he was an ace caliber pitcher. He was one of the best starters in the National League. Uh, like you said, there's not really a ton of competition on the opening day staff. Uh, for that spot so it just made a ton of sense for Garrett Cole to get that get that nod it's a real honor for him uh, to get the pitch in Fenway Park against the uh, against the Red Sox uh, and then it also helps him just kind of set up the rest of the spring you know they they gave the uh, you know the first start to Cole the second start to Tyone and the home opener the fourth start to Yvonne Nova so those guys kind of know where they're at the rest of the spring as far as preparing for their first start and you know, they've already mapped out the rest of their spring schedule with uh, pitching coach Ray Searage. And that's kind of a big benefit that they didn't really have this time last year as far as just getting the, the pitching staff in place. Yeah, no question there. And uh, going back to what you said about the uh, the surprise somewhat that the Pirates had made this announcement so early, uh, another team that comes to mind that also announced their opening day starter, the Mets, uh, Noah Syndergaard, that was kind of a no-brainer too. But do you think that teams are un- are making this announcement earlier and earlier simply because they're sick of being asked about it. You think Is that the main reason why? You know, it's funny. Is that, uh, one of the Pirates beat reporters actually asked Clint Hurdle at the winter meetings about their opening day starter, oh, and he wouldn't answer it then. Uh, I think we asked him the first day of spring training, and Clint Hurdle wouldn't answer it then. But, you know, nobody even asked him the day that he announced it. He, he brought it to the media kind of unprepared. You know, we were all done with our questions, and then he said, oh, by the way, I've got something to announce. And, <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, our, our main stories for the day were, were written by Clint Hurdle. So that was kind of a surprise to hear it from the Pirates. You know, usually they, they're very protective of information. They're protective of, uh, of assignments and things like that. You know, they named their opening day starter before the Red Sox. Like, that's kind of uncommon. You know, Garrett Cole didn't know he would be lining up against. I guess it doesn't really matter because he's not going to be hitting, which he's thankful for. But uh, it was kind of an interesting decision considering, like I said, we waited until March 11th of last year, nearly, you know, two or three weeks, basically, before uh, 
before it happened last year. We we know that information heading into you know basically the the bulk of the Grapefruit League schedule this year. Yeah, it's getting earlier and earlier, and I think that there is some you know truth to that. That uh, I think Clint Hurdle you know love to catch you guys off guard and say, hey, by the way, before you leave. <laughs> You know, how many chances do you get as a, a manager to, to surprise the media? It just doesn't happen these days with all the sources of information that we have. And I think we can say one thing for almost certain that I don't think Eric Cole's going to be facing David Price on opening day or any other day with the, the news out of Red Sox camp that Price may, may miss the uh, 2017 season. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Hopefully no such ailments uh, befall the Pirates here uh, at any point during the season. So moving yeah. on here, uh, Adam, as we begin to wrap up, uh, Andrew McCutcheon made his long-awaited, highly anticipated debut in right field uh, the other day, and you wrote how it was strange to just just something as you know simple as hearing the PA guys say, you know, now playing right field, Andrew McCutcheon. It just kind of strikes your ear as odd. So, you know, give us the, uh, the take back from him after his uh, right field debut, you know, how it went for him and how it differed from – from center field, I think that as a fan, you kind of think, well, it's it's one spot over. He's still an outfielder. It can't be that different. But I think the reality is it, it really is a different world out there. Yeah, I think the announcement, like you said, by the PA guy struck struck me as weird. It was weird to hear right fielder Andrew McCutcheon. You know, you know him as center fielder, number 22, Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, I think Pirates fans would probably be grateful just the fact that he was uh, – at Lecom Park at, at that point that he was being announced as a pirate. But it, it was very interesting to see him run out there. He said it didn't feel weird. He said it felt different. You know, you saw it in the first game. He's been fine so far. He's handled the position well. Uh, he has almost, you know, handled the assignment as if it's not a challenge at all. You know, he said that it's going to be, I think, at various points, a breeze and a piece of cake, which should probably encourage you as a Pirates fan. And, you know, he hasn't had any misplays out there so far. He's made it, you know, he's caught every ball that's been hit to him. Uh, but you've seen some, you know, sort of new moments for him. He's had to learn to like back up first base, you know, on you know on throws over to that direction. Uh, he had kind of a tough play in his first game over at right field on a ball that was basically hit into the stands. He ran over essentially as far as he could, uh, you know, when he thought it was going to be out of his reach, it bounced off of, you know, the barrier between the uh, the fans and the stand, you know, in the in the field. Uh, so, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but he seems so optimistic about the way that he's going to handle that position. Uh, you know, he's even said that it's not going to be an issue dealing with the Clemente wall in right field because he's played so many games at PNC Park. Uh, it's still going to be a running storyline, a spring training, uh, which will be really interesting, I think, when he leaves to play for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic, which is going to be, you know, where does Jim Leland play him? Does he play him in left field? Does he play him in center? Does he play him in right? Because... Certainly the Pirates would like to see him get as many reps in right field as possible just based on the fact that that's not a spot that he's really handled in his professional career uh, aside from a few innings. So uh, it's going to be something to watch uh, as the spring unfolds, as the World Baseball Classic unfolds, as he gets back, you know, as he gets back to Pirates camp. But uh, he seems really confident, right, you know, to this point in his ability to handle that spot. Yeah, that's all you can ask is that he's confident, he's enthusiastic, and at least so far uh, no, no errors out there, no misplays. So – all encouraging signs as uh, this new experiment begins for Andrew McCutcheon defensively. And uh, Adam, to put a bow tie on this one, we're asking all 30 of our MLB.com uh, team reporters to give us uh, give us a story, a G-rated story, of course, about uh, <laughs> you know, got to keep it safe here, about uh, your, your travels on the road with the team over the years. You know, doesn't have to be a, a game in particular, but just something that kind of sticks out from, you know, all the uh, – you know, the car rides and the bus trips and the, the airlines and preferably airlines, but anything that kind of stands out to you from your travels covering the team? 
Yeah, I'm glad you said G-rated. Otherwise, this would have got interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, the coolest thing for me is just going to see so many different cities, you know, throughout the country. I think San Francisco is a place that I lived very briefly in 2011 when I covered the Giants. That's always a great trip to go back out there. Uh, you know, it's just such a wonderful city. The ballpark is so incredible. You know, getting a getting a chance to go out and see Petco Park, to see Dodger Stadium, the first time I walked there, you know, the view when you walk into Dodger Stadium is so great because you walk into that high kind of, you know, upper concourse level and you just see, you know, Chavez Ravine laid out in front of you. It's such a great uh, moment when you walk into that ballpark. It's so, you know, it's so neat to walk into Wrigley Field, you know, for the first time and, and just kind of imagine the history that's unfolded there. I remember when I covered a postseason series at Fenway Park and just thinking, you know, my God, the hitters who have hit here, the pitchers who have been on that mound, it's so you know, really remarkable to think about. I think that's really one of the, it's one of my favorite parts of this job in general is the fact that we get to go on the road, you know, the fact that we get to be in all these places with, you know, such historical moments that have taken place. We get to see so many different fan bases and the way that they respond to their teams. Uh, you know, it's it's such a, uh, just such a pleasure to kind of see baseball fandom uh, really react throughout the country and just get a sense for the way that this game impacts people. I think that's probably you know, in all honesty, my favorite part of the job is just, you know, getting to travel and seeing all these fans and interact with, you know, not only, you know, fans on the road, but, you know, say in this case, Pirates fans who just so happen to be in Chicago or, you know, you think of the, the fans that Andrew McCutcheon interacted with and in, I think it was San Diego or in L.A., you know, the, the kids in center field who really just wanted his batting gloves. That's such a fun part of this game is that, you know, it is so far reaching that, you know, you really get to see it unfold when you're out there with them. And I really enjoy that part of this uh, this job that we have. Yeah, all excellent points. And, uh, you know, as, as we all know, being in this industry, uh, covering baseball can be a grind. It's, you know, it's a lot of games, a lot of days, a lot of late nights. But uh, for all the reasons you said, uh, getting to see all those different ballparks and cities and fan bases, it definitely uh, spices things up and helps it from uh, getting mundane, which there is a danger of at times because of the, the nature of the baseball season. Uh, Adam, great stuff as always. Uh, enjoy your time down there. We'll do it again at this time next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.